Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, welcome along. It's Writer's Routine. I said we wouldn't be away too long. Thanks for coming back. This week on the show, it's the crime and thriller author Fiona Barton. Uh, Starting out working as a journalist, writing about real-life crime, it gave her the fascination and the ideas to then invent some injustice of her own. She's back with a third novel. It's called The Suspect, and you can hear why her own son's gap year of travelling inspired her story. Also, we talk about how much she thinks about tone and language and voice and why it's this uh, that makes psychological thrillers stand out from each other on the shelves. And we also talk about why sometimes it's best to start at the end. So with The Widow, I wrote the last chapter when I wrote the um, first chapters. So I knew... And I was heading in that direction. There's more on the way, so stay there. It's this week's writer's routine. Yes, hello, welcome along. My name's Dan Simpson. Thank you so much uh, for pressing play, downloading, however you found us, and listening to Writer's Routine. It's the show that does exactly what it says on the tin. We have a look at the daily writing ritual of some of the best authors around. Now, I've had some lovely feedback on the show recently, by the way. Uh, So to those of you that have emailed me saying thank you for what we're doing and also for pointing me in the direction of authors that you want to hear from, cheers. I love it. I really appreciate it. Carry on. Keep sending me stuff. I don't mind what it is. Uh, Also, thanks to the reviewers over on Apple Podcasts, uh, like Smith Writes, who's been on, who says that the episode with Cecilia Ahern has really changed the way that they write. They say it's made them go back to doing what they love, telling stories, getting ideas down with a pen and on paper. Also, thank you to Charissa RB and MJ Watch. Uh, They say that we're the best podcast that they found in 2018, which is big talk. It's something I'm incredibly proud of, so thank you so much for letting us know. If you've got something that you want to say to us, perhaps it's something that you like about the show, perhaps it's something that you feel we could work on, even though you're wrong, it's nice to let us know. Uh, The best thing that you can do is to head to Apple Podcasts, find Writer's Routine, and leave us a review. It takes like a minute out of your day. Just write a few lines about what it is that we do, uh, what you think about it as well. Drop five stars if you can. And I promise it's so useful. It will really help out with everything on the show. Now, this week, our guest is Fiona Barton. As a journalist, she was a senior writer for the Mail on Sunday. She won Reporter of the Year at the British Press Awards, uh, reported on some huge high-profile cases as well. And now she's back with her third novel, 
It's called The Suspect, and it's all about two 18-year-old girls who go missing on a gap year in Thailand, uh, and about Kate Waters, the journalist, and how she's reminded of her own son from this, uh, who's off travelling, who she hasn't seen in two years. Now, you can hear exactly how she got the idea for the story uh, during the chat, also how her writing routine has changed across three novels, and exactly why it is that she and many other people work best in the mornings. And there's also a single fantastic tip in here. Um, that will really help you if you're trying to work in the mornings, but you're struggling to get up early and get it done. There's something in this, a little bit of advice that will really, really help you. Speaking of advice, we'll get a top writing tip as well from the author of one of the standout books of 2019. Uh, That's on the way in a sec after we get into it with Fiona Barton, this week's guest, starting pretty much as always with what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. I see yesterday's clothes draped over a chair, probably. A towering pile of books waiting to be read and my laptop waiting to be written on. So, colour of the walls? What's what's around? Uh, Anything on them? Yeah, they're whitewashed sort of walls. This is my bedroom in France. And there's a picture of an unmade bed that I bought a million years ago and has been in every single one of my bedrooms. Uh, There's a window and a V-Lux, so I can see there's a big beech tree opposite the house. I can see the top of that, and I can see out of the window, um, we've got a a lake in the in the garden <laughs> and so I could see that a yeah. whole lake in the a garden whole lake in the garden <laughs> it's not many authors that have that luxury um brilliant so the show's called writer's routine Fiona tell me yours the moment you go to bed at uh, the moment you wake up rather to the moment you go to bed on a day when you're sat down to write how does it work uh my eyes open and uh normally I don't have an alarm I hate being woken by alarms um but we don't have curtains so the light wakes me which is wonderful it's a fantastic way to wake up I often do that during the summer yeah it's it is it's it's wonderful and it doesn't matter that it's really early it's just sort of gentle and easing you in and as soon as I wake up I start writing I have my laptop um right beside the bed and uh I have to start writing then um for two reasons. One is I'm a champion time waster. And so if I get out of bed, one foot out of bed, and I'll find something else to do. So um, I sit up, I plump my pillows. It's a bit Dame Barbara, but (laughs) there's no Picanese, no frou-frou nighty. Uh, And uh, I start, I start. Um, It's the best time of the day for me because I'm fresh from dreams. Um, Nothing else is happening. And my sainted husband brings me tea and uh, occasionally a yogurt or something to keep me going. But I write in bed uh, until midday, probably. I mean, I say midday because that is normally my rhythm. But I write until I've got nothing else to say. That's what I do. And and so if I really have hit a fantastic seam of, um, in the narrative, I may continue. But normally, that's when my energy starts to flag and I start to notice that there's a bit of the room that needs hoovering or (laughs) I get distracted. So I stop. After lunch, I will do edits, a bit of editing. I'll do some research. Um, I'll do some reading around the subject or just some reading, really. Um, 
go for a walk um, and start thinking about letting some ideas get going again uh, for the next day. Do they need to be perfect words that you're getting down while you're in the flow or is it just anything? No, it's dirty writing. And then I clean it all up later. So as a writer, I am not a planner by nature. That's not my, that's not how I feel about writing. I would hate to write the same book twice having planned every chapter and then have to write it. So I'm more of a plunger or a pantser, as the Americans say, uh, seat of the pants. Um, I have, obviously, I have an idea of where I'm going and what I'm writing about, but I prefer to chuck it all down and then come back later um, and tidy things up and move things around and put in a bit more suspense there or take something out because... The reader shouldn't know that then. They need to know it later or earlier. And so I do that. I um, I do it in two stages, really. I think we'll come back to, to the way that you, well, you don't plan it in just a second. Let, let's just iron out a few kinks of the day. Is there anything that you you need or when you when you wake up in the morning for those few hours when you are getting it down? Is there anything that really helps the cogs turn in your head? Perhaps any little things that might be peculiar just to you? I quite like silence. Uh, I know a lot of people like music on when they're when they're writing. Uh, My problem is that I love music. And so I'll tune into it. It won't be background. I'll start singing along or whatever. And so it is quite distracting. So I like silence if I can. Uh, Although, you know, needs must. What else? Warmth, my duvet duvet writer um but no i'm pretty um low maintenance i think i think i still write in a quite a journalistic way in that you know short sharp quite lean um because you don't have room for um extras when you're writing a news story so i think i've kept that but the way i write um my routine um, has definitely changed because when I started, uh, I had a full-time job. And so I had to shoehorn it in, really. Um, I used to write for a couple of hours in the morning before I went to work. At the time, I was working in Myanmar, former Burma. And so the sun rose at six. And that was fantastic because... uh, you felt like the day had begun and you didn't feel like it was 6am. And so I could do a couple of hours uh, and then go and do my job. But it, it meant that I had to be very disciplined. Um, the trouble is now it is my full-time job being a writer. Uh, I am less disciplined, really. Um, I can, you know, make things last. I'm, there's no, uh, no other timetable. I, I have my own timetable. I'm not great at keeping to that. Well, so I've often wondered about whether the luxury of being a full-time writer is beneficial, really. I know that if you gave it to me, I'm much better as a worker when I've got a million things to do in a day. When I've got one thing, it, it simply won't get done. No, but if no. I've only got an hour to do something, I, I will tackle that Absolutely. with all my energy. It, it, it sounds like it's the same for you. How was the adjustment then of now becoming a full-time writer and, and not a, squeezing it around your work anymore? How did that go? Uh, it, was, it was wonderful and awful, just as you described. Because, wonderful because, God, how lucky am I? You know, I'm a full-time writer. But the awful bit is that you're in charge of yourself. Um, 
every hour of the day and uh, I need a deadline and um, a bit of structure around me. So I try, I do try. I mean, I write every morning, so I do do that, but I'm sure I could get more done in a day. Um, But I make it, I let it expand to fill the time. The new book is The Suspect. Talk to me about the first moment that this novel, your third moment, came into your head. Um, It was during the second one. Um, Somebody asked me yesterday, how long is it between the end of the the current one and starting the next? Well, it's seamless. Um, You know, it's sort of five seconds later. Um, So I'd already been thinking about what I was going to write. And I knew that I wanted this time to turn the tables on Kate, the journalist in the books. I wanted her to be the story, not the reporter. So I had that. I knew. um, So I knew the structure of the story would be about that. And um, I used I, I, I played with ideas of what would matter to her um, to make it really important for her um, and for her to feel um, that it was important. And so I did think about, you know, the hacking scandal and all of those. So something to do with work. And I thought, no, it's got to be her family. So um, I tapped into my own, um, my own experience. My son went on a gap year uh, to Vietnam when he was 18 and was terrible at staying in touch. So I have many a night when I laid awake thinking he's in a ditch. You know, that's why he hasn't phoned his mother. Um, so I did use that um, quite a lot of that actually <laughs> then, then what happens so you've got that initial idea you want to turn the tables on on your journalist but you've already said that you're not a planner really so so how do you know what's happening each time you sit down in front of the page in the morning what happens after that initial idea what do you do do you brainstorm how do you come up with the the rest of the story yeah um i i imagine i play with ideas in my head um, when I was writing the second one, The Child, I rushed to write because I panicked because suddenly I had a deadline. First book, you know, no one knows you're writing it, so it doesn't matter. But the second one, there was this deadline looming. And uh, and I thought writing was writing, was putting your fingers on the keyboard and getting going. But of course it isn't. Um, thinking is writing and imagining and letting ideas play in your head and what ifs and just allowing um, yourself to think and be hear the voices of the characters if you like so I do that Um, I try and you know I stare at a wall and and let the ideas play about but for this one for the suspect um, because I knew that I wanted I knew what the ending was going to be, to be honest. But uh, because I, I, I knew what the, the sort of structure would be, that it would start off with Kate as the reporter and then move on so that she became the story. I had that, which was nice to have. I had a, you know, a, a flow to it. And uh, I, you know, I, I let things happen. Um, I don't know always when I wake up in the morning what I'm going to write exactly. Um, but it it's okay uh, it come it comes out i'll start you know i'll i'll reread the bit that i've just read i've just written and uh, and and inspiration comes from that i suppose the discipline of journalism is to tell a story 
simply so that everyone can understand it, but in a way that is engaging as well. So um, it it is a discipline because every word has to count. Um, you know, most news stories are between 300 and 500 words. So I had to unlearn that a bit uh, when I started with The Widow, um, you know, because when I'm writing a news story, you tell the story in the first paragraph. That's journalism. And that's not great for thrillers. So I had to learn the drip, drip, drip um, and how to build suspense. It's been quite a learning curve, really. Um, But what I've kept from journalism is that style, which I think helps with the pace. And also um, I've kept my sort of eye for detail, I hope. Um, You know, when you go on a story, you are trained or you learn to notice everything straight away Um, because you often don't have a lot of time. Um, You notice the way things look, the sounds, all the things that will make your story sing is is what we say. And, uh, And that's really important to do. I would find it so tough to then put that because I could go to a court with you and I could see exactly the same things that you could see. But the way that we tell that story later, the way that we write that piece would be completely different. It could be, yes. You know, I'm struggling to get my head around how you then interpret what you have seen onto a page, especially if you've not even seen it, if it's just happening in your head. What have you learned about the difference between being a journalist and then finding the voice for a novel, as you've already said, you know, you're, this is, you know, 110,000 words long instead of 400 or whatever it's got to be. How was that change for you? It was really, really difficult. It, it was. I got to 10,000 words with The Widow and thought, I've got nothing left to say. Um, I'd never written that many words. And it was only because I entered it in a competition and was shortlisted that I that they said, right, that's great, you're shortlisted, but we need the finished novel in six months' time. And I had a deadline, and so I got on with it really fast. But it it is, it's a real kind of crunching of gears because as a journalist you're relying on your powers of observation and the words of others. You're interviewing people, you're listening, you're telling their story, you're not inventing it yourself yourself. So it was very difficult because I felt very uneasy about inventing, about just letting myself invent and create and imagine. Um, it, it didn't feel it didn't feel right. Um, I know people think that journalists write fiction; they don't. And it was it, it was quite tough at the beginning. I had to give myself permission. It doesn't sound too ridiculous to. Um, to make it up and but what I have done is I have based every situation every character on things that I know that I have it'll be an amalgam of you know of people or um a place where I've been but I need that I need that truth I need that truth in what I write that um I know that that can happen because I've talked to someone who that happened to or I've seen somebody react in that way. I do I do rely on that quite heavily. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We'll be back with more from Fiona Barton in just a second. Very quickly, I want to say a massive thanks to all the writers who have got in touch with me uh, because they want to be featured on this show after my call out in the last episode with Bridget Collins. Uh, It's still going on, by the way, just trying to figure out the best way of fitting you in. Like if you're an author and you've just published your first book or maybe you've just finished it and you want some place to pitch it out there to the world, why don't you use me? Uh, It's so easy. Just come on. Tell me about your writing day, uh, how you get your ideas and your stories down, how you plot, how you plan, maybe what you think is different about your work and how you do it to everyone else. Um, You can tell me on Twitter. Give us a follow. It's Writer's Pod on there. also on Instagram. Uh, And it's easy to find us and get in touch over at writersroutine.com please do it. I will endeavour to find a way to fit you in. Uh, Get over onto it, fire over a message about yourself and then bear with me for a few weeks as I figure it all out and I slot the different pieces together. But please take some time, send a message to me, pitch your wares over at writersroutine.com. So it's time for this week's tip that may change the way you work forever. Uh, On today's show, it's from the writer of a brilliant new novel that should absolutely be on your must-read list for 2019. It's mystical, it's magical, uh, and its author has some advice for writer's block. Hi, my name is Bridget Collins and my book The Binding is out now. My tip for writing is if you're stuck, I think I would encourage you to go out and move, and ideally in the open air, but just anything that kind of gets the blood flowing because when I do this, I, I can like literally feel the blood flowing to my brain and the ideas sort of loosening up. And often, like if I go running, it's not even that I'm kind of thinking about it when I'm running. It's that once I've run, I realise I knew all along. And there's just that somehow the process of it has got me to see what I'm 
where I'm going. Now you can hear more from Bridget. She was on the show a few weeks ago. And if you missed that chat, you can download it through Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public. It's on Overcast as well. And you can find all the different ways to listen to it on our website, which is writersroutine.com. Right, let's get back to it then with Fiona Barton, this week's guest, the author of the brand new The Suspects, a novel all about some missing students on their gap year and how this has reminded the journalist of her own past and her own family and what's going on there. Now, in this part, we talk more about coming up with that ending, also about what she's learned about the way that she works, three novels in, and we jump back in with the roadmap metaphor that we've touched on in the show in the past. Do you remember this? You know, it's where you imagine your story as a roadmap. You know, the beginning, where you're setting off from, you know, where it ends... But when you do start, when you do get in the car and go, you don't know too much about how you're going to get there. And using the car metaphor, I'm kind of always curious about uh, when things start becoming clear and appearing in the windscreen. How is that the same as the plot? When do you start to know what's happening next? Some things you can see right from the beginning. You know, they... It's obvious to you, or to me, what the end will be. Um, so with The Widow, I wrote the last chapter when I wrote the um, first chapters, the first nine chapters. So I knew and I was heading in that direction. I didn't know what was going to happen in the middle. I didn't know um, it was a marriage with secrets was the story that I had in my head. I didn't know what the secret was until a while later um and then i had to sort of think about what what could this man have done that would be unforgivable and so various things came to me so i i suppose i sort of i i created the middle section with the child um i thought i knew what the end was um it wasn't uh, I rewrote 40,000 words because I had an idea, I rushed into it and uh, and I got about, well, I got to the end of the first draft and I thought, that's not it, It's that's not it. And so my lovely editors said, it's fine, you know, take some more time. And I did. Um, and I discovered the story, um, the ending. I'd already got the characters but I discovered what the ending was uh, in that last six months that I was writing. Let's talk about the characters then. So coming from a journalistic background, Mm. the characters in real life that you are reporting on as a journalist are always important, but not about them as well-rounded individuals. It's more what they've done, why they're in court perhaps that day. How how did you learn how to, you know, create well-rounded three-dimensional characters that were going to exist outside of the plot which you've put down here? Well, to be honest they've always been like that it may not appear it when you read a news story because you've only got 500 words to tell it but they were always always real people three-dimensional and always had a backstory that you know could intrigue fascinate not necessarily for a newspaper but for me just as a you know a, a watcher and observer so um some of the characters are the sort of people, the invisible people in news stories, really, the people who 
part of the family, you know, the wife or the son or, or whatever, who were always there and who the story would impact on just as much as the person in the spotlight. But they never had a chance to um, to tell their story. Their story wasn't interesting to the reader. But for me, it was always interesting. And um, so I kind of stashed them away. Um, I've got this incredible archive of characters that I've met or seen or read about over the years. And I've just I've gone back and sort of plundered all of that. Each book is different. Um, It has been anyway. Um, I've learned not to rush, um, not to panic, that... I can take time um, to do it. Um, I mean, the first book, I used to watch the word count go up one by one at the bottom of the page. It was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I've learned what my rhythm is and I've learned to trust it a bit more, a bit more. I still feel that, you know, each book is going to be absolute rubbish. But, um, no, I think you do. You learn to trust how you write because, Everybody writes differently and there is no right way. Um, You find the way that works for you. If I went into a bookshop now, Mm. I could go to the shelves and I could see hundreds of thrillers. When you knew that you wanted to write a thriller, you know, a suspenseful crime novel, aspects of psychological thriller in there as well. Did you give any thought to how you wanted yours to be different or even perhaps the same as some of those titles that you see? No, I didn't because I didn't set out to write a psychological thriller or suspenseful or whatever. I set out, I had a story in my head. Uh, I had the voice of the widow, Jean, um, and there's a phrase that she uses, uh, no more of his nonsense, um, which resonated with me. And uh, so I started out on it and it was later when I'd finished it, somebody said, oh, this is psychological thriller. I said, oh, is it? Okay. Um, So I googled agent and psychological thriller um, and found my agent through that. But I certainly didn't set out to do that. I think it's obviously what attracts me is the psychological dimension, the why rather than the what. I, you know, I don't really do graphic. I don't do graphic violence. I hate reading it, so I'm certainly not going to write it. But um, I... I think you've got to start with either, you know, your story or your characters. To start with a genre is uh, pretty dangerous, I think. You mentioned earlier, right at the start, that you, do, you might dedicate some of the rest of your day to researching, to reading books. How much care and attention do you put into that? I've spoken to some authors who don't really care. You know, they, they don't give much thought to police procedure, the position of blood spatter, because in all truth, a reader is likely to know almost nothing and they don't really care even if they read it how much thought do you give to that even though you are researching through your day well the research I do um is not police procedure I I don't really do that I'm with the other writers um the sort of research I do I want the story to be right I do and I go to um I have an advisor wonderful man DCI Colin Sutton who has just published his own book Manhunt and was a drama series as well with uh, Martin Clunes. Um, he checks for terrible errors um, and has caught a couple. And I talk to a pathologist. So I do want to get things right, but I don't want it 
to be the plot of the book. Um, it's more important for me uh, to research the uh, the locations. Um, I went to Bangkok for this book um, for four days. Um, I think I was longer in the air than I was on the ground. But anyway, um, because I needed to sniff the air. I know people use Google Maps and that just doesn't do it for me. I need to know what it feels like, what the heat feels like, what colours are there, what smells are there. And so off I went. Um, Auntie Maud goes to Bangkok and sat on Khao San Road. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, it was an education. Um, and I found the hostel, which I've used for the uh, for the book. Um, I was going to stay there. Uh I fully intended to until I stood in the room and I thought, okay, no. And the five-star no. hotel across the, across well, the way it, looked I a lot more appealing. I five-star hotel, I promise, but this was three euros a night and uh, they were overcharging. It was <laughs> hideous. So I thought, no, no, you can go so far, but that's enough. So, yeah, that's the kind of research I like to do, real hands-on. You've just said what's important to you, what you need from a story. Uh, th- third novel in, what do you think a fan expects now from a Fiona Barton novel? Gosh, I have no idea. Wow, what a question. Um, What they say, what readers say, is that they love the characters. Um, They like, they empathise, they're engaged by the characters and they feel that they are really sort of pulled in by them. Um, So, and I'm thrilled that they do um, because it's what I love in books as well. Um, you know, when I think about authors that I like, they are very character driven um, because I I want to stand in other people's shoes. I want to be in other people's heads, really. And that is it. Thank you so much to Fiona Barton, her brand new novel, The Suspect. Uh, it's out right now. Um, you can find out loads more about it. We've got all the details for it over on our website. It's writersroutine.com. Now, remember, if you want to come on the show, if you want to tell me the story of how you wrote your story, uh, you can get in touch over on Twitter. Give us a follow. Ping me a message there. It's Writers Pod. Also, you can find us on Instagram. And it's dead easy to get in touch with the show over at writersroutine.com. Also, if you do find the time in the next few weeks, if you've got a spare minute, uh, please leave us a review Uh, over on Apple Podcasts. Drop five stars, that would really be helpful. There's a little comment box at the bottom. Let me know what you think. Let other people know what you think because by doing that, you can help us out with a chart which lets other aspiring writers uh, get some tips from some of the best authors that are out there because it makes it really easy for them to see us. And lastly, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon with another story of scheduling success. Uh, yeah, give us a follow on Twitter, uh, Writers Pod on there, because that will be the place that I'll keep you updated when new episodes are coming out. I'd imagine in a couple of weeks, uh, then we'll get a fantastic new author on the show for you. Thank you so much. I'll see you then. Bye. <laughs>
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.